0: I want to uh, focus on some uh, verses from 1 Peter that uh, your pastor uh, Bill is working through. And if you've read the introduction in your Bibles to 1 Peter and listened carefully to how he is introducing his texts, we are headed for some persecution chapters later. And so when he talks to all of those scattered throughout Asia Minor, the Roman Empire, Um, It is not politically at rest. It is so different from what we unconsciously enjoy in our country. From a real estate class I took, our Constitution promises us a peaceful property, protection for that property, and the right to make a living off of that property. That does not exist everywhere in the world. does not exist at all. And so those fundamental things outlined for us in our political constitution resonate from the scriptures, uh, but uh, they are not universal in the world. So at the end of this text, in verse 13, he talks about even angels long to look into such things. That's where I started my title, uh, Longing to Look, or Would You Look at That? Sports events, did you see that? Uh, Campaign YouTubes, did you see that? (laughs) Car, uh, Car, crazy cars on the road, did you see that? There are some things I would like to see, but probably won't ever see again. I would like to see little lambs in the barn where I was raised. Can't go back, it's not a farm anymore. I'd love to see that. Thought about this, driving the bus, what would I like to see? Um, There's a place over on the entrance into the Bob Marshall where a friend of mine who was now deceased took me elk hunting early in the morning. And on one side, as the sun came up, or as the sunrise happened, all the colors of the rainbow filled the sky. And then as it came over the mountain, all those same rainbow colors filled the other side of the valley. We were in this big, big, big bowl, maybe a mile or two miles across, and three or four miles away, you could see these, this little ribbon of, of brown come over the, the saddle of the mountains, uh, and, and they were all elk, 500 of them, just kind of rippling like water down the snow in that great, colorful bowl. Could I see that again, God? He says, well, you have to walk a little, you know, but... Um, And then there's one thing that I would love to see again. On the day I got married, I was standing up there in my tux with my brothers and my bride came around the corner. Oh, I'd love to see that again. She's lovely every morning, understand. But there are things that I just wanted to plant that idea of what would you like to see? And in terms of self-help, in terms of living a successful earthly life, you have to picture what you want. And in the context of Peter, as we read this, he's saying, as you see the political situation degrade and the violence of Nero come sweeping across as it is now popular to disrespect and violate Christians, what do you want to see in that? You know, what are you going to think about? When that happens to you and you have no constitutional recourse and your prayer requests. Okay, here's the scripture. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, and you may want to refer back to where this is coming from and we'll get there. Concerning this salvation... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest of care trying to find out the time and the circumstances in which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of these things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. What are these things that angels are mystified by and prophets struggle with And therefore, we are in good company when we look for salvation in our lives, in our loved ones' lives, in our enemies' lives, and have a hard time finding it. Concerning this salvation, you got to back up a little bit. Who, by the power of God being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time, Verse 3 is where this concerning salvation starts. I was raised probably like you, in that if I ask Jesus into my life, all things will be great. They were not. This salvation in verses 5 and 9 of the previous text ready to be revealed at the last time, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That sounds rather futuristic, doesn't it? I thought I was saved now. Struggled with me with that a little bit. This is not talking, and I, I say this because of our American church culture, which doesn't exist elsewhere in the world, where there are those who very much understand waiting for the salvation to be revealed at the last time because they feel, feel no salvation in their political, economic, family situation. So I'm gonna just go off a little bit here and I'll try and be gentle but the salvation referred to here concerning this definite article, this salvation. This is not financial salvation. Okay? The Bible makes no guarantees concerning your bank account or the calling of your loan. Okay? makes no consideration for that. So if you're praying for financial uh, prowess based on the salvation preached by Peter, it's not there. This salvation does not refer to medical care. It does not. Nowhere in 1 Peter does he promise that you will be medically cared for and receive the miracles of Jesus Because you're waiting for a salvation off in the future. In fact, medically, and I understand that some people may think this is hard because we pray this way. Medically, our salvation doesn't kick in until we're dead. Yet we work so very, very hard to stay alive. Now, that's okay. I mean, I like being alive, I like sunsets, I like little lambs, I like my wife. I enjoy this life. But my salvation, my spiritual focus is not here. How do we get that across? And you use the word in discipleship when someone comes to us and is complaining about their relationships. Salvation does not promise happy relationships, it may promise you peace within that, and you'd probably be better off dead. Now, we don't have time in discipleship to go through that. But if you're struggling, understand God loves your spouse just as much, if not more, than he loves you. So calm down. Okay? Focus on God loves me and God loves her and um, I blew it. Legal salvation. Legal political salvation. Salvation. Are you aware of the great controversy in our country where they have the, the guns the guns, gods and glory? And that to be American is to be Christian. Do you like that? You may not you don't ever have to ask me to speak again, but I don't. I do not like connecting the United States of America with my Christianity. Yeah, maybe some of the concepts are derivatives from the founding fathers of the scriptures. But just because I'm American does not mean I'm a Christian. And just because I'm a Christian does not mean I support everything that happens in America. Can you keep that straight? It's hard. Especially when you travel overseas or you go to Memphis. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on in Memphis. Hurry, Memphis, I have no idea. But, you know, I can understand the tension and that as a... Looking around to see if I can get away with this. As a white person, when I walk into a certain neighborhood, they are assuming certain things about me that I don't want. Does my salvation have anything to do with that? Will I be saved from the violence of that situation just because I'm white? No. Didn't happen in Israel's history. Nebuchadnezzar came, and here's a very interesting, go home and read, um, read through Ezekiel 20, where it says a very controversial thing in American Christianity. The righteous will suffer with the unrighteous under Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is coming to historical Israel and Judah and he's coming with fish hooks and he's going to put them through the bottom jaw of the righteous and the unrighteous and lead them over the mountains to slavery. Did their salvation and the promises of a Messiah to those who were faithful, did it make any difference? No. Isn't that harsh? So that's why it kind of filters in when we have our prayer requests. Please take this in the spirit intended. I love praying with you about your your pain. But understand it's not about your pain, it's about being able to turn from within our pain, in our persecution, and give glory to God. That's what Peter's going to be talking about here. Discipleship, grow up. (laughs) I don't like being grown up either. I want to be a kid back on the farm. Remember that wonderful story in John chapter 6? When Jesus sees this mass of humanity and they've been listening to him preach for three days and they're hungry and he does that wonderful potluck thing. I don't believe it was a potluck. Jesus actually created bread. Okay, He took the loaf and when he broke it, he didn't have two halves, he had two holes. And the, the disciples got to do it. They broke the bread and they, from one loaf they had two loaves. And they fed five thousand. Isn't that wonderful? Sign me up. And that's exactly what most of the people thought. The next day, as they crossed the sea, and please note the curious, if you're into numberology, in John 6:66, 6, the people came and they said, Where's the bread, Jesus? He says, You don't get it. It's not about bread. It's about Jesus. And, the, and many, it says that many disciples got up and followed him because they were following in the Judas temptation that salvation is an earthly kingdom. And she says, No, you don't get it. It's about holding that faith through death till you get to heaven. We have it so good here. If you want to enjoy reading stuff like that, um, Hebrews chapter 11, the prophets searching for God. We're all adults here. So, no, there's one, and she's too, too young to understand. But it says that Isaiah died, Isaiah, prince of preachers, died when the king was chasing him, and he crawled into a hollow tree, and they cut the tree down. Was he praying in there? Lord, save me. He says, hang on, we're almost to the spine. Ouch. Ouch. What are the angels looking at? Would you look at that? Would you look at what they did to Isaiah? Could that happen to me? Could God give me the faith so that the angels would say, Look, the faith that God gave Isaiah lasted till he reached the spine, and then he died. No, then he went to heaven. Would you look at that? In our communion service, as we look look into this a little bit further, where does this show up in our faith? Okay, what's the theology here? The, 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 the theology of concerning this salvation is the incarnation theology of the second article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and then if you if you like that, you can go, you can go down seven steps. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, he comes down out of heaven, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead. And buried. Seven steps down in the Apostles' Creed if you're into Lutheran catechism. The angels saw it. So when you say the Apostles' Creed, you then start with number seven, buried. Rose again on the third day. And now I'm kind of excited and I'm mixed up. I can't get them all straight. But there's seven steps back up. And like the angels, we have the ability to see that Apostles' Creed and all that Jesus did, boom, in one moment. That's how the angels see and how God sees the entire history of the world, in one moment. God sees it all. And he says, I'm giving them faith and I gave that one the faith to be this and that and I made some leaders, but I'm giving faith and I can see their whole life. I can see all that you are suffering. And it is my will that I raise you from the dead. So he created us a little lower than the angels that we might have a nice life, but that we might die with this earthly body and get to go to heaven. You see the vision of that? Concerning this salvation, the angels love to look into that and say, wow, did God do a great thing. That's the wow. Angels love to look into that and see the wow. Uh, Peter here captures all that I'm trying to say in these three little words called the Spirit of Christ, only used twice in the entire New Testament. How can you have both of those words in the same? Isn't Jesus Christ a body? Yeah, but the idea of what God did in Christ is a spirit that comes to you and gives you that vision to say, oh, wow, I'm struggling here. There's a lady on the south side named Terry Todd, and she works with a lot of recovering people and they have a lot of needs, right? And they would come to the church and they would want money and they would want, 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 want. And Terry says, Steve, understand, you don't want to cut short what God is doing in their life by giving them what they think they want. Can you wrap your head around that? Now, you gotta be careful you don't get cynical and just say, well, I'm not gonna give money. So then I said, well, what should I do, Terry? I wanna help them. Well, you pick an organization that's helping them to the best of their ability. Nobody's perfect. So I gave some money to her. I said, you go invite them into your program where we can see the whole picture of saying they have come down and they have become destitute on the street. Is that a bad thing? Well, it's sure painful, but you can't come up until you've hit bottom. You can't become a Christian until you know what kind of a miserable sinner we are. I used we, because I don't want to say you. Because I have a mirror. I can't be a Christian until I can repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. This is the spirit of Christ. Of all that Christ is. All that the incarnation is. All that the spiritual Messiah is. You see how the prophet and Peter then... oh, All that the spirit is revealing of Christ... Let's just call that the Spirit of Christ. You see what Peter's doing? He's taking all of that and putting it into a little formula. The Lutherans call it. A little formula. Spirit of Christ is a linguistic formula. There's many others. Don't worry about it. So Peter says, when persecution comes, and the governor comes and says, I want to um, ask you to uh, move along. This business has now been and what's happening in the world uh, this business has now been nationalized. would like you to move to the not so corner office and if you do what I tell you, what the government tells you you can keep your job but I built this from. I don't care. That's the way it is in the world. Not in America or United States because we have freedoms for which we give thanks and which we exercise. And that's what we talk about is how, what is our, I have the right and responsibility to build something. Peace, profit, and protection. Peter is saying, when that goes away, can you still praise God? When you say, oh God, can I have my childhood 1950s America back? What does God say? (laughs) Can you be a Christian in 2024 and enjoy it and do good to your neighbor and find something to praise God for and be revived in your spirit? We can, Peter says. Concerning this salvation, this will revive you. This will revive you. And I have told you beforehand, you see, there's two kinds of pain. There's the pain of preparation, of going through the mental exercise to memorize this into the back of your brain, so that when the pain of, of regret comes, you can say, oh, I failed, but God loves me. I will confess to him. I will receive the grace of salvation. I will make my amends. And I will go on living a righteous life. No pity. I really have enjoyed going and driving the school bus to all these little athletic events. Especially the 5th and 6th graders and the junior high. Most of them can't play basketball worth worth a basket. And one day our shepherd team got beat like four to one. You know. But you know what? The coach was teaching them. Shake it off and get out there. That's the spirit of Christ in Christianity. Shake it off. So you made a mess of yourself. I'm going to tell you a story that is very, very precious to Joan and I. I had the privilege of officiating at weddings, and that meant we had to get together, and I had to tell them in advance what the official language would be. They said, well, can we have it our way? I said, well, depending on what you want, but I'm the officiant, I'm responsible to my denomination, I'm responsible to the courthouse, there are certain things that I have to do. Like what? I said, are you free to marry? Well, we want to get married. That's not what I asked. Well, what do you mean? Are you legally free to get married? Well, Kevin said, yeah, I've never been married. Well, good. Kim? Well, I was married once before, and her face begins to cloud up. I said, oh, okay, we're trained in this. Are you emotionally free from that, well, first of all, are you legally free from that situation? What do you mean? Did you sign the papers? Yes. Did he sign the papers? Yes, okay, you're legally free. That's the easy one. Are you emotionally free? What do you mean? Well, does it come up in the back of your mind? Pains and regrets and hurts? Face gets a little cloudier, eyes begin to get red? Well, yeah. Do you know how to get free from it? Well, it keeps happening. Okay, you're normal, you've been here before, we're trained in this. The only way I know how to get free from emotional pain is through spiritual freedom. What do you mean, we're born again? Yeah, good, but do you know how to use your spirituality to get free? So you're free to love, again tomorrow, without the baggage from whatever you did as a teenager and from whatever you did in your 20s and from whatever. Are you free? To love again. And when the ugliness of the past raises its head, are you free? She's crying now. And I'm thinking, good. I don't say that, I keep my face sober. Because she's coming to the point of repentance. And I'm looking at him, and he is, What are you doing? He's getting angry. I said, well, this is how it works in the official language of Christianity. When ugliness raises its head and terrible mistakes raise their head, we repent and we say, God, I know you love me, but I've done some stupid things, and I have been done too by stupid people. Okay, careful now it's not just my sins that cause a problem and we're spending time talking about oh and by the way this is in the office where across the building the praise band is praying is is practicing songs of praise to god so cut to the quick i said can you practice the blood of jesus over the memories of whatever you've messed around with in high school and your first, second, third, fourth, I don't care how many, can you plead the blood of Jesus over that so that you are spiritually free? Your painful past is in the grave. Your future is in the hope of heaven. And you get the privilege of loving this person whether they love you or not. Now she's really crying, not for pain, but for joy. Is that true? She goes through her tears. Is that true? Concerning this salvation, yes. Yes. Now he's crying. What's wrong with you? Well, I'm not innocent either. We never had a marriage license, but yeah, okay. So are you free, are you free to marry each other in Christ, the Spirit of Christ? Are you free in Christ to go through persecutions, poverty, illness, relationship destruction? Are you free to go through that concerning this salvation? Yes, I am. So in the Spirit of Christ, we welcome you to communion in which none of us in this room have the human earthly right to go before God and say, let's have lunch. None of us can do that. None. Okay? That's the law. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't get to have lunch with God. Except as Jesus gives us his righteousness now, if you have a problem with somebody and you're wondering if they're wearing the white robe of Christ, because we're all kind of like flowers here today, wildflowers as they may be, but, and it's going to get better as spring comes. More and more colors are going to show up in the congregation. I just love it. If you're wondering if somebody across the aisle has the white robe of Christ on, you get the humility and the grace to say, can we have coffee? I'd really like to know the history of your faith so that we can be free in Christ to come to the table by Christ and in the spirit of Christ be a church. With that said, you're all welcome to communion according to the scriptures.